Well, today's scripture reading comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 17. We'll be reading in the ESV, and we uh, encourage you to find that. Uh, if you have a pew Bible, uh, which the pew Bibles are ESV, uh, or, or if you want to find the Bible in a Bible app, or if you brought your own Bible, um, Normally, we do an alternate reading, which means we take turns. Uh, we kind of go back and forth. Um, but uh, this week, uh, we only have one verse, so we'll all read it together. So once you are ready to read the scripture, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. Again, it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 17. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word. Uh, So let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Right. Well, today's message, like I said, we uh, this whole summer we've been talking about practical things, and so uh, today's message uh, is the last in this series. And I thought it would be kind of fitting because we talked a lot uh, uh, about practical things. We gave you lots of different pieces of advice, uh, different scriptures, uh, different uh, you know ideas that that might help you in your spiritual life. Uh, but as we close this, I want to close uh, with another practical thought. This is a very practical sermon, because um, it's called practical, right? <laughs> uh, and it's called Change One Thing. And so uh, when I think about one thing, I actually think about a movie that I saw a long time ago. It's called City Slickers. Have any of you seen this movie, City Slickers? Uh, okay. Maybe before your time. All right. So it's kind of good, like, like it's like mid nineties, I think. Uh, and so what City Slickers is about, it's about like three guys from the city who are facing a midlife crisis. And so one of their friends, uh, decides to book a, uh, like a, a, a trip to, uh, I, I can't remember where it is, like Montana or just somewhere out, like in the plains where they're going to wrangle, uh, like, like cattle, you know, like cowboys, you know, and kind of live this cowboy adventure. And while they're out there, uh, the, the main character who's played by Billy Crystal, he meets this old farmhand, this guy Curly, played by Jack Pal- Palance. And Curly is this tough, rough cowboy. It's like he's from another time. It's like he's channeling the spirit of, of John Wayne. It always looks like he's irritated. And it looks like at any moment he could like snap you in half, right? And he just seems to be kind of like on a different level. And so there's this, this uh, part in the movie where Billy Billy Crystal's character goes riding off with Curly alone. And he's like kind of like intimidated because he's like, seriously, like we're in the middle of nowhere. This guy could kill me and no one would know. Uh, but while they're just, you know, riding and Curly's a man of few words, but he just kind of, because, you know, it's the whole spirit of why they're out there. They're trying to find themselves. And so he just decides, hey, you know, maybe this old cowboy will have some wisdom. And so he asks him this question. He says, Curly, what's the meaning of life? And Curly, a man of few words, he looks at him like he's stupid. And he looks at him, and he just raises one finger. And Billy Crystal's character goes, the meaning of life is the finger? It's like, no, dummy, one thing. And he's like, okay, so maybe you have a follow-up question. What is the one thing? It's like, it's one thing. And he's like, well, Curly, what is that one thing? And he's like, that's for you to find out. And then he just rides off, right? <laughs> Thanks, Curly. Thanks for nothing. Right? One thing. I don't know why, but that scene stays with me. 
The meaning of life is one thing. I've actually heard people preach on this this uh, story. And, you know, what they would talk about is like the one thing that you want to center your life around should be God. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great message. You know, it should be Jesus. You know, Jesus should be your one thing. We used to uh, sing the song. I don't know. Again, I might be dating myself, but uh, when I was a youth pastor, the most popular song was a song called One Way. One way, clap, clap, clap. Jesus, clap, clap, clap. Yeah, hey, you know it too. <laughs> that was not planned. That was awesome. Uh, but one way, Jesus, right? Jesus, you're my one thing, right? And it sounds good. And um, the, 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 we sang actually during praise, that, that great song, you know, I, I, I'm going to get the words wrong. I'm just going to make it up. Like, all of me, to all of you, right? Take everything, right? Take everything. Take everything, Jesus. You know, I want you to be my everything, and I want to give you everything. It's a great sentiment. Unfortunately for us, it's not very practical because we don't really know how to do that. It's just something that sounds good in a song. And so what I want to talk about today is how do we actually do that? Could it be that the meaning of life being one thing might also have a different meaning? Let me explain what I mean by that. But let's take a look at the scripture uh, that, that we're basing this whole sermon on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, anything... Whether you eat, you drink, you work, you poop, you play, you sleep, in word or deed, in in whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, right? So this is kind of like sort of a mission statement for life. Whatever I do, I want to do it for Jesus, in Jesus, being thankful to Jesus, right? And so it, it sounds good, but again, it's very broad. But I want to focus on one word there, whatever, whatever you do, whatever you do, you give that to God, right? And so the message, because it's not that long, you know, it's a pretty simple idea. The message today is change one thing. We can talk about doing all kinds of things for God, but that is very, very difficult. But practically speaking... I want to advise you, you know, just as kind of, you know, a brother in Christ, you know, if I can give you any advice, just change one thing. I remember there were many times when I was in college, I would get very sort of dissatisfied with my life. And I would think like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I need to change. I need to shape up, right? Like, I'm so undisciplined. I'm so unfocused. And, you know, I'm so out of shape and, you know, I, I like sleep too much and I don't go to classes and hypothetically. <laughs> uh, and there's so many things I needed to change. Right. And so there are several times this is like, seriously, it didn't happen just once, but many times like in the middle of the night, it's almost like the middle of the night. I don't know, I don't know if you guys have these moments. It's like two o'clock in the morning. And I, I like take out a piece of paper. I'm like, these are all the things I'm going to change about myself. Starting tomorrow, it's like, you know, I'm going to eat healthy, no carbs. 
you know, I'm going to go to bed at 11 p.m. I'm going to pray for one hour. I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible every day. I'm going to help the homeless. I'm going to, you know, connect to a long lost friend. I'm going to learn a new instrument. I'm going to write the great American novel, right? It's just a ridiculous list of things, right? And what I used to do is I made like a schedule for me, right? Like, okay, in, in the morning, exercise one hour, pray one hour, you know, whatever. And, and then like, like, you know, by the end of the night, like I get down on my knees, I take the piece of paper and I'm like, God, take everything. Sounds good, right? That's a practical application, right? This is the problem. It never, ever, ever worked. <laughs> never, never. Why? Why didn't it work? Brothers and sisters, change is hard, isn't it? And change is hard because we are creatures of habit. This is how you work, right? There are certain things that you have been doing your entire life, and you will keep doing it. It's called autopilot, right? This is the way we work. If you as a human being had to think about everything you did, right? I mean, you would go nuts. There's no way, right? So how many of you have realized or thought about breathing since we began this service? Did you have to think about it? Did you notice all the different things in this room? When you were walking here or, you know, I don't know, uh, (laughs) yeah, like walking up the stairs, did you have to think like left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot? No, of course not. This is the way that we are as human beings. Have you ever done something and after the fact, you're like, Wait, how did I get here? Has that ever happened to you? I've driven to places and didn't realize that I was driving there. And just like, you know, maybe like in a daydream and all of a sudden be like, oh, where am I? You know, and sometimes, you know, the autopilot kind of fails me because, uh, you know, I might like take like I-94 West every day to go to work or something like that. And then one day I actually have to take 94 East, but the autopilot just goes on 94 West. Right? Brothers and sisters, this is the way you are programmed. When you think about your day, when you sit down after, you know, I don't know, you come back from class, many of you, you do things automatically, right? In the morning, many of you, you, you have things that you do automatically, but probably for a lot of you guys, first thing in the morning, you check your phone, right? Or you have some other thing. You know, there's probably a favorite app that you always turn to. Angry Birds or whatever, or Clash of Clans. You have to see what happened during the night. You know, <laughs> Who attacked me? I don't know how you play Clash of Clans, but that sounds about right. right? There's something you want to check, right? Something you want to do all the time. And by the way, those games are designed to build your habits. Those games are designed to change your life. Did you know that? Those games will be like, check in every day and you'll get a reward. Every day there's a quest, right? What are they trying to do? They're trying to change your life. How? With a habit, one thing, you just get you to check your phone every day, every day for that reward. You, you, you log in and you get that little dopamine hit from like, ooh, you get some shiny thing, right? And then you do it every day and your life changes because your habits change. This is the thing. For us, because we are creatures of habit, if you try to change too much too soon, it's just not going to work. Right? That's like trying to pay attention to every single thing you do. Right? Left foot, right foot, left, right foot, you know, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. You can't do it. Right? You must go on autopilot. Or you will go insane. 
Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? So by the very nature of things, you cannot change everything at once. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Maybe Curly, or the people who wrote the lines for Curly, what they really meant is the meaning of life is one thing at a time. You change one thing at a time. So whatever you do in word or deed, yeah, that's really broad, right? But the way that you do it, practically speaking, is you do one thing at a time. And so I thought I would amend my title. So with my excellent Photoshop skills here, practical, change one thing at a time. I'm not saying that you just do one thing and that's it, right? But one thing at a time. Because that's how we work as human beings, okay? So uh, let let me give you another example of this. I have become sort of a one-point preacher, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, seminaries and places where they teach you to be a three-point che- teach, uh, a preacher or four-point teacher preacher. And, you know, the, the, the problem with that is that you're probably going to forget a lot of those things, right? We can only focus on one thing at a time. So, you know, just an easy example of this. Guys, try to remember these numbers, okay? So, so everyone, if you can try, let, let's see who can do this the best, okay? I'm going to just get, give you some numbers to remember. You ready? Three, five, eight, 14, 22, 37, 81, 19, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 23. Okay, what were the numbers? All right, some of you guys are just geniuses. <laughs> Jay Yoon's over here. Actually, I know them all. <laughs> but, all right, now. Eric's <laughs> taking notes, okay. But probably a week from now, if I ask you to remember those numbers, I know I started with a pattern, three, five, seven, but probably if I asked you in a week, you probably wouldn't remember very many numbers, right? But how about this? Now try to remember. Okay, you guys ready? We're going to do a little different. One, 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 one. What are the numbers? Three, five, seven. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's easier, right? If you just focus on one thing, I know it's like the most basic idea, right? But somehow we don't get this. Somehow, I think for some reason, we think that God is demanding everything right now. So I have to change everything or nothing. Why do we make it so hard on ourselves? Why do we set ourselves up for failure? I have different theories for that, but... The truth of the matter is, God is not asking you, I don't think, to change everything in an instant. I think what God is asking you is to dedicate your life to him. First of all, most of the change in your life, the real change, will be through God and his grace. Right, But what we believe, uh, and, and so this is, uh, goes back to John Wesley, the kind of Methodist roots, is that what we are doing when we try to, um, you know, spiritual disciplines and things like that, is they're what we call means of grace, ways of catching grace, right? So I know sometimes people get really caught up when, when you hear a message on spiritual disciplines or on different things you can do for God, and we get really caught up with like the works righteousness Argument. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then don't worry about it. But if, if, if you do, maybe you might be wrestling as you hear a message like this. And you're like, Pastor Steve, isn't it just about faith? Isn't it just about grace? 
Isn't it just, you know, the things that God does for me, not what I do for God? And I would say yes when it comes to your salvation. Absolutely. Right? And, and for, you know, God's grace is not about earning. You cannot earn God's grace. So everything I'm talking about in this message, praying and, you know, the one thing you change, any of that stuff, not meant to say that you are earning God's favor. God's not going to look at you and be like, oh, bravo, Mike, you're such a good prayer. You know what? I'm going to give you a special place right by the throne of heaven because you prayed every day. No, of course not. Right? This doesn't change God's love for you. This doesn't change what God thinks of you. Whether you do nothing or whether you do everything, God is going to love you the same because God's love is constant. Right? And we know that. But the thing that we get twisted that I think Dallas Willard was very helpful for me in this is that he said that the problem with our thinking about grace is we confuse earning with effort. And he says that grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Right? Because when you see Jesus and what he says, I mean, you know, he talks about following his commands and, and, and you know, following his teachings all the time, right? It, you remember that, that, that whole thing about building your house on a solid foundation, building your house on the rock. What does that mean? What, what does Jesus say it means to build your house on the rock? It means to do what he says. Do what he says. Put it into practice. That actually takes effort, right? you got to do something, right? I mean, there's so much in Scripture. It's not just, hey, just believe, and then everything will just automatically happen, right? That's not the way I read Scripture. There are many commands in there. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Those things take effort. But the two things I just want to emphasize in that, and we'll move on, is number one, that when you do that, it doesn't make God love you more, right? This isn't some kind of moral test. This isn't going to be uh, the thing that gets you into heaven, right? But at the same time, also when you are doing that, to know that even your ability to do that is an act of grace, right? You will not be alone when you do it, if you are dedicating it to God, right? So, brothers and sisters, this whole idea of the, the one thing, changing one thing at a time, it's just saying that we cannot focus. As human beings, we can't focus on every single thing in the world, right? And so, you know, uh, they, they say that the uh, human eye can only focus on one thing at a time, right? And you might have noticed this, right? So, so seriously, if you try to focus on everything, right, it just doesn't work. This is the way your eyes are designed. Only one thing comes into focus at a time. It's like a photograph, right? You ever like try to take a picture and you were trying to take a picture of a person, but the person turned out to be blurry and then the background is crystal clear, right? That, that your camera can't focus on everything. It can't make everything crystal clear, right? That's the way your eyes work. This is the way our attention works. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Right? And so this is all we're trying to say today. It's a very simple message. But pick one thing that you can wholeheartedly give to God. In other words, one habit you would like to develop and build on for life. Right? Pick one thing at a time. And brothers and sisters, I I actually originally was going to preach a completely different message. I was going to preach a message on prayer. Um, but I decided to change it to this idea of picking one thing in your life um, that you can dedicate to God. Because, you know, like the scripture says, whatever you do, 
you can give that to God. Whatever you do, you can dedicate that to God, right? But what I want to just suggest, you know, for us to kind of be wise is to think about, you know, you could pick one thing, but it could just be totally random and not helpful. Why not pick the thing that will be most helpful in your life now, right? And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to kind of think about what is the one thing spiritually, mentally, emotionally that is bothering you the most? What is the one area in your life that really needs to get tweaked? And not to say that right here and now you have to pick what you are going to tweak or what you are going to change, but for you to start kind of, um, you know, considering, praying about, thinking about, what is a way that you could approach that thing? You know, whatever it is that's bothering you most, right? And brothers and sisters, I don't know what it is for you. It might be something different than it is for me. Um, But for me... Uh, And the reason why I wanted to originally make this sermon about prayer is that I have found that the single most helpful spiritual practice in my life over the last five years has been learning how to pray and doing it every day and learning mostly how to pray silently. Um, In a few weeks, we're going to offer, we've offered this several times, uh, that I would be willing to teach you how to do contemplative prayer, which is a prayer form, an ancient prayer form that's more about being silent before God. And so we practice, we do it on Sundays, we do it for uh, about four Sundays, and we have you practice at home for three weeks, we hold you accountable, we send you messages to remind you, right? And we've had, we've offered that three times, and we'll offer it again in a few weeks. So I'm not going to go over that today, Right? But I'm just telling you, that has been the thing that has changed my life. My life has been different from that one thing. You know, uh, it, it's something that's changed the way that I react uh, to stressful circumstances. You know, I used to get so bent out of shape about different things, like, like my anger, my temper was a big thing. Uh, <laughs> so if you have been in LGM for a number of years, um, about five years ago, so many of my stories were about road rage. Right? Am I lying? <laughs> Who's been here for more than five years? I shared so many stories about road rage that people would come up to me and be like, Pastor Steve, like seriously, you have more stories about road rage than I've heard of any other person, right? Like you have so many crazy things happen to you on the road and so many things where like, you know, I almost rammed the person or, you know, somebody does something crazy and we get in a shouting match and like all these kinds of things. And brothers and sisters, that doesn't happen anymore. I'm not saying I never get angry or frustrated. And it doesn't mean that the drivers in Michigan have suddenly gotten better. Let me tell you, they haven't. Right? I mean, I think they're getting worse. (laughs) But something has changed within me. Right? One of the, the problems I used to have, too, and again, it's related to my stress response. But I used to yell at my kids a lot. It's not something I'm proud of. But, I mean, it's just something that just automatically would happen. They'd do something, or we'd be running late, and, and I would just be like, okay, Steve, don't get mad, don't get mad, don't yell, don't yell, before you know, ah, <laughs> we gotta go, we're late, we're late, come on. And the more I yell, the more I yell. The more I yell, the more frustrated I get, the more frustrated I get, the more angry I get, the more angry I get, the more I yell. Right? I don't yell as much anymore because of that one thing. I'm not saying that whatever you pick will automatically change your life like that. But I'm saying 
maybe be a little wise about what you pick. The reason why I picked prayer is because I got to a place in my life where it actually wasn't about my anger. It wasn't about my stress responses. Um, it was that I was feeling extremely spiritually empty and shallow. And one of the things that I realized that I always kind of ignored and just kind of brushed aside is one of the things that I've heard is that just almost any spiritual giant, any person that you, you would admire and you read their spiritual biographies, and the one thing in common is all of those people prayed. They really prayed. Sometimes two, three, four hours a day. Right? I heard this story about uh, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who uh, is, he was the Archbishop of uh, South America, uh, so, sorry, South Africa, during when apartheid was being eliminated. And he is somebody that people look up to. Uh, and he was having this, this uh, dialogue with the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama was talking about his practice of meditating five hours a day. And Desmond Tutu kept shaking his head and be like, too much, too, five hours, too much, it's too much. And so it, it just became a constant joke. Whenever you know, he would see the Dalai Lama, he'd be like, not that these guys ran into each other all the time, but he'd be like, you, you pray too much, it's too much, five hours. Right, And so I was reading this book about this exchange that he had with the Dalai Lama. And the funny thing is that the guy who was writing this book, uh, as an aside, he kind of interrupted and said, Desmond Tutu is way too humble a person to tell people this, but he actually prays four hours a day. (laughs) You know, and so he's like, like five hours now, that's too much. Four hours more like it, right? But brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this to make it some kind of moral test. All I know is that so many people who have great spiritual depth, so many people that have, you know, have such a connection to God and have done awesome things for the kingdom of God are people of prayer. And again, I don't think that they're bragging about it. I don't think they're like, God loves me more because I pray so much, Right? But they just understood the importance of that practice. So when you hear the rest of the, the, the stuff that I'm going to give, some more practical advice, maybe think about making prayer your thing, your one thing that you could focus on. And so, you know, think about uh, this, this idea of a habit that you would like to develop and build on for life. And so, brothers and sisters, um, there is this concept. Uh, I know I have a picture of a car drifting just because I couldn't think of any other picture of drifting. But there is this concept that we have in life. Remember how we talked about you can only focus on one thing at a time, right? And the way that you are built as a human being is you are built to go into autopilot. You are built to have many, many things that you just automatically do, right? Now, brothers and sisters, what about this? What if there was something important in your life that actually you should be paying attention to and you should be wide awake for But that thing gets relegated to autopilot. And that thing, actually, it becomes a habit, but it's not actually what you want to do. Would this ever happen to you? Could this ever happen to you? I think it happens to people all the time. I think it happens to parents all the time. Have you ever heard of parents who, like, you know, their kid is, like, a teenager now? And their kid all of a sudden, you know, has all these habits and there's all these things in their relationship with the parent where the parent's like, how did that happen? Wait, did I raise that kid? Like, seriously, did I raise that kid? Like, hey, how come we're not close? How come we don't have a close relationship? 
I don't think any parent sets out to say, you know what, I don't want to be close to my kid. I don't want to have an influence on my kid. What happened? You know what happens? Their cell phone, TV shows, their work, other things that demanded their focus. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Other things were taking their attention, and so the relationship with their kids got relegated to autopilot. It can happen more easily than you think. What about for you in your spiritual life, your relationship with God? Is it the most important thing in your life? You can say that, right? But brothers and sisters, I think you can be a really well-meaning Christian, and your relationship with God can get relegated to autopilot. You're not paying attention to it at all. It's just the things you do are the things you've always done. And if those are good things, then maybe good things will come out from your life. But if you're not doing certain things that put you in the, the, the pathway of grace, then maybe you will experience drift. So the reason why I wrote this spiritual disaster equals drifting is uh, uh, Dallas Willard, he used to say that um, in the spiritual life, to drift is disaster. Drifting is disaster in the spiritual life. It's so easy to do. The autopilot, it just automatically kicks in if you're not paying attention to it. And so, you know, when you think about whatever thing that you could possibly change in your life, I want you to think about this thought, just as a thought experiment. Maybe you can't do it here, but maybe when you go home, to think about what would your life look like in 10 years if you were to adopt this habit? If you really learn how to pray, let's say 20 minutes a day, every day, to be in the presence of God, and, and you know, you're just being reminded of God's love for you. You are being grounded before you go out there in the world. And the world is telling you who you are. The world is pushing you and pulling you and trying to demand, do something, do something, do something, do something, do something, or you're nothing. That's what this world does, doesn't it? But what if you spent 20 minutes every day in the presence of God being reminded, I don't need to do anything to know I'm a child of God. You're being reminded, God loves me. Jesus died for me. And this becomes your grounding reality. It changes your nervous system. It changes your stress response. It changes the way you interact with people. What would your life look like in 10 years if you did that every day? I can only tell you from my life, I prayed 20 minutes a day in this way, this silent prayer. You know, I, I had a message earlier that, would, that was about, you know, some pain, some gain. You know, don't think you, you have to necessarily do everything overnight. But maybe all you can do is 10 minutes a day now. You know, that, that, that's all you think you can do. Then do that. What would your life look like if you started with 10 minutes of prayer every day? Every day. But what would your life look like in 10 years if you didn't do it? Well, brothers and sisters, probably you can, you know, maybe you're like, well, Pastor Steve, who knows? Nobody knows. True. But imagine this, brothers and sisters. We are, um, you know, it's just kind of a, a law of physics or whatever of entropy, right? That things are just kind of, kind of continue the way they are and they kind of fall apart, right? Unless you apply a force, Right? And so for many of us, if you continue your life the way that you've always been doing it, 
I mean, in theory, you know, of course, grace of God can do so many amazing things, but probably you're going to get more of the same of what has already been happening in your life. You'll get more drift, right? If you have frustrations, you'll get more frustration. If you have stress, you'll have more stress. If you feel despair, you'll get more despair, right? It's not automatically going to change, right? Unless we allow God to do something in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, uh, the the next point I want to make is... um, You know, whatever you are doing in Jesus' name, that one thing, I know it's so simple to say, just pick one thing, but I think if you are doing it in Jesus' name, right, as it says in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus, then you would want to do it well, right? You know? And so uh, be wise. Be wise with what you pick. Be wise with how you go about it. Visualize what you will need for success. Anticipate and weigh the costs. This is such a simple concept, but I feel like a lot of people don't do this, right? Jesus actually tells us to do this. This isn't a passage. The context is he's talking about taking up your cross and following him, right? And so Jesus says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. I think what Jesus is saying here is think about it. Really plan, right? Like, consider, what obstacles are you going to face? What is going to be the cost of what you do? Because everything you do will, has a cost to it, right? If you're going to build a tower, you've got to figure out, do I have enough material? How much material is that going to cost? What is it going to take for me to go get that material and bring it back? Otherwise, you have no tower, right? This goes for any habit in your life. You have to figure out, what is the thing that is getting in the way of you actually doing this, Right? And so you, you got to plan. You got to be smart about it. You know, so for some of you, maybe you've thought before, you've heard Pastor Steve talk many, many times about the importance of prayer. And maybe you thought to yourself at some point, you're like, okay, maybe I'll pray. Maybe I'll pray. Maybe I won't. And guess what? You didn't. <laughs> In many cases, you probably didn't. Why? Why? Because maybe we didn't actually visualize what would it look like for me to actually pray. So, you know, I know it's a very simple concept. But when are you going to pray? What time of the day are you going to pray? Because for a lot of us, you know, unless you make that time, that time's not automatically going to come. Is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be before you go to bed? Are you going to just wait for that inspiration to hit you? Right? If it's important enough, you have to schedule it. You've got to make the time. Right? Um, so, you know, let's take a habit like working out. Right? Uh, and maybe f- for some of you, you've had to do this. You know, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to work out. I- I'm going to do it this time. I know I've talked about it before, but I'm going to do it. You got to make a plan. What days are you going to work out? What time? Right? How are you going to get there? Have you allotted for the time that it takes to get there and to come back and to take a shower and all those different things? Are you going to have enough energy? Right? If you do it first thing in the morning, do you have to eat something before? Right? All these things you have to consider. This is what Jesus is talking about. And so when you are doing it, be wise. Visualize what it's going to cost. Right? And so try to think about um, 
you know, step by step, what is it going to take to give you success? Third thing that I want to mention uh, is your goal is to make this thing automatic. Your goal is to make it a habit, to use that idea of we are creatures of habit, to use that for you, not against you. Right, So you're just trying to build a good habit, build a habit that allows for more grace to occur in your life. So, uh, you know, whatever you do, try to do it regularly, that one thing, right? And focusing on one thing makes it super laser focused. You're not just trying to fix 15 different things, but just the one thing. You know, maybe I can have that capacity right now in my life. You know, maybe I can't figure out the 15 other things, but the one thing I can do is find 15 minutes to pray, right? And make that regular. Um, Until it becomes automatic, you're going to need to remind yourself. You're going to need probably to find some accountability for this. You know, I know sometimes... uh, you know, some of the things we talk about, uh, these like spiritual habits, it sounds like such an individual endeavor, but it really is not meant to be. One of the things, uh, we're going to talk about this more next week, the whole idea of us living a big story means that you are not alone. You are connected to other people. When you come to church, you're not alone. You're supposed to be in a, a body of Christ, right? And so, brothers and sisters, we have to use that. We have to leverage that. And so... Um, you know, I, I think that it, it would be sort of tragic if you had a built-in support group, you know, let's say, I don't know, like a small number of people, a small society, a small team, or a small group. I don't know. Let's just call it a small group. You got a small group of people. Where would you find this? Where would you find a small group of people? We have small groups, right? You have a small group, right? You got a small group of people, and every week you meet, and you know, you're reading the Bible, you're doing all kinds of things that are good, but all of you are individually trying to do one thing for, for God, and you never talk about it. You never talk about it. Brothers and sisters, I think that would be kind of a wasted opportunity, right? What if during small group you made some time for that? You know, small group leaders, feel free to steal this idea, right? But you actually checked in. Is there something you're trying to do for the Lord, right? And then simply all we can do is, is give you an opportunity to talk about it. We can, we can pray for you. We can give you advice. We can tell you what's worked for us. We can check in on you, right? When I do the contemplative prayer thing, it's not an accountability where I'm like, hey, did you guys pray? Oh, you didn't pray? You owe me five bucks. Like, of course not, right? Like, I mean, I, I always tell people, this is for you, Right? I, I just want to help you. So, so I, I text people. You know, I'm like, hey, just a reminder to pray. Because I know that that's something that I want. When I first started my silent prayer, I did it five years ago. And I talked about it at, at LGM. And I don't know if some of you might have been here for this. But I asked people at LGM. I said, I'm going to need help. Would anyone like to do this with me? And so we started a Facebook group where we could talk about it, a Facebook chat, right? Where we could be like, hey, how's it going, brothers and sisters? How's your prayer time going? You know, brothers and sisters, you are going to need reminders. I know it sounds so elementary, but brothers and sisters, we are so easily distracted. If it's that important, what would you do for something that you think is really, really important. What would you do to remind you, knowing you are a forgetful person? What would you do? 
have you ever heard like, like really, really needed to mail an important document or something? Or you really, really needed to bring something like, like for your homework, right? What would you do so that you didn't forget? This is what I do. If I have to like mail something, what I'll do is like, like I have my shoes like right by the garage. I'll take the envelope and I'll put it on my shoes. Because I know that I'm going to have to put on my shoes like, oh, letter, right? You know? Or like, like Aaron had to bring something to work. My wife had to bring something to work and she didn't want to forget. So she put her keys right by the bag of the stuff that she had to bring. So when she went to get the keys, like, oh, right? Now, I know this sounds silly, but what if you put like on your toothbrush or you put on your shoes, right? You put a reminder and you kept it somewhere just right by where the shoes are. Remember to pray today. What if you did something like that, right? You want to make it automatic, but it's not automatic yet. We're forgetful people. We're pulled in so many different directions. But what if you did something? You put it on your nightstand, right? You put a notice on your phone. You scheduled in your phone right now. You have an alarm that goes off at 8 o'clock in the morning, right? 7 o'clock in the morning before you go to work every day. And the first thing you do when you pick up your phone, it says, remember to pray, right? It's simple stuff. It's common sense stuff, but it's stuff we don't do. Right? And so do, do whatever it takes, brothers and sisters. It's that important. I really do think it is that important. It's not as hard as you think, but we do need help. So once you have that habit down, now go find the next thing. <laughs> go find the next thing. Give another thing to God. Right? You know, maybe you want to, uh, I don't know, read through the Bible. <laughs> I know some people like to do that. Read through the Psalms. You know, you want to read one psalm a day, except when you get to Psalm 119. It's really long. <laughs> I don't know whatever it is you want to give to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, again, this is, not a, um, this is not a moral contest. This is not a way of measuring our spirituality. It is simply saying, if our intent is to give all that we are to God, we want to do that well. And the, the best strategy that I can give you, focus on one thing at a time. 